Amen. 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 All right. If you're out there in the comment section, let me see you go ahead and get some hearts, give some fire. Let me hear you say, I'm ready for the word. I am ready for the word. Praise God. We are ready for the word. Today, we're going to be talking about embracing the promise of the impossible, embracing the promise of the impossible. Now, listen, one of the reasons that I want to talk about this is because a lot of times when we begin to talk about faith and in the body of Christ as a whole, when we talk about faith, most people talk about faith and they talk about it in terms of what I call the three C's, the three C's. You say, well, what is the three C's? They talk about faith for cars, for cribs and for cash and, and nothing wrong with that. But you need your faith for more than cars. You need your faith for more than cribs and you need your faith for more than cash. You need faith to navigate when life begins to life. Jesus told us, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. He said, you will have trouble. He says, but don't despair or don't fear or don't become overwhelmed because in me, I have already overcome the world. The problem is people read that sometimes and they think that Jesus says you're going to have trouble, but don't worry about it. He says, don't worry about it if you're in me. He says, because in me, in Christ, I've overcome. And so we need faith to learn how to overcome. And so we are a teaching ministry. And as a teaching ministry, we believe in teaching the whole word. We don't believe in just hyping you up and telling you that you're next in line to be a millionaire or your next job promotion is right around the corner or your healing's about to manifest and all of those things. Because while those things are true, they don't come to pass for those who don't have faith. They just don't. And the worst time you can try to develop your faith is when you are in a crisis. Let me say that again. The worst time for you to try to learn to develop your faith is when you are in the midst of a crisis. You want to have your faith already developed. It's like saying, you you know, let's say that you're outside and your neighbor is working on their car and the car accidentally falls off the jack and it falls on them. We've heard stories about people who've gotten these certain bursts of adrenaline. They've been able to pick the car up off of someone, right? But notice this, if they don't get that burst of energy, right, they can't pick that car up and help their neighbor when the car has fallen on them. Well, the same thing is true with you. Your faith is like adrenaline to your soul. Your faith is what gives you fortitude. Your faith is the thing that makes you go on in the midst and in the face of trouble. And most people, they're trying to develop their faith when they get a bad doctor's report. They're trying to develop their faith when their relationship is about to fall apart. They're trying to get faith or develop their faith when they find out they're about to be laid off. That's the wrong time to try to be developing your faith. You want to develop your faith daily. Why do I say daily? For the same reason that you eat food every day. And, you know, it's amazing to me sometimes because over the years, we've had people who have been a part of our ministry and they've been a part of our ministry for a few years. Uh, and, and, and if you come to Fellowship of Champions in a, in a very short period of time, you can get inundated 
with a whole lot of word. I mean a whole lot of word, a whole lot of scripture, a whole lot of, of comprehensive understanding. And you can get to the place where you feel like, oh, I, I know what Pastor about to say. I didn't heard this story. I know of the faith, the expectations. I know what Pastor Sean about to say. I know she's going to talk about obedience. I know what she's going to talk about strategies. I know she's going to talk about trusting God. And you can get in this place where you go, well, you know what? I already know everything it is to know about faith. And over time, people have done that and they left the ministry and they've gone other places searching for other things. And what happens is they really spend time sitting in places and they, and, and they get inundated with a whole lot of unbelief. They get inundated with a whole lot of, well, if it's the Lord's will, uh, well, you know, God will work it out somehow. If it don't, then it wasn't meant to be. And, and before they know it, uh, all that fear and doubt and unbelief it creeps in and it begins to erode away at all of the faith that they had been feeding on. Well, we say it like this. Your environment is always working on you. It's like you can be eating healthy for two years. But if you spend six months just eating unhealthy, eating ding-dongs and cupcakes and ice cream and Pop-Tarts and all that stuff, all of the work you did for two years will totally be gone. Well, the same thing is true with faith. You don't get to hear faith for a year and then spend your next two or three years just living any kind of way you want to. And then think that when a crisis comes, you're going to have the faith to be able to deal with it. Amen. And so today we're going to learn some, some faith principles. We're going to look in the word of God and we're going to see some things. And we're going to talk about how to use our faith for everything, <laughs> how to use it for everything. Are we going to use it for cash? Yes. Are we going to use it for cars? Yes. Are we going to use it for cribs? Yes. But are we going to learn how to use our faith to manage our emotions? Absolutely. Are we going to learn to use our faith that, so that we can sometimes fire our emotions? Absolutely. Why? Because we need faith for everything. The Bible tells us that without faith, it is impossible for us to even please God. And we want to be pleasing to God. So let's jump into today's teaching as we discuss embracing the promise of the impossible. Now, if you were with us on um, Wednesday night, uh, then, then you heard the teaching that took place when Pastor Ralph was sharing. And, and he was teaching, and as he was teaching, um, the, the Lord had me to kind of change up what I was going to talk about on today. And so I want to really almost just pick up right where he was. I want us to take an in-depth look uh, at the life of Abraham, and I want us to do it through the lens of the Apostle Paul. And I want us to do it through the lens that the Apostle Paul writes about in Romans chapter 4. Uh, on Wednesday night, Ralph kind of uh, stuck a pen in verses 19 and 20, and we'll do the same today. I want to expand on it just a little bit, but I want us to, to, to really just kind of pick up from there. So if you didn't if you miss Wednesday, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Uh, even if you hear this one first, I'm encourage you to go back and listen to it because it's going to help develop your faith. Now, in Romans chapter four, verse 19 and 20, there's a passage that illuminates the unwavering faith of Abraham. And we know that Abraham is what we call our father of faith. And so today's teaching then is designed for us to explore the depths of what it means to really trust God. 
even when our circumstances defy all of our understanding. Because if you read, if you were with us on Wednesday night, that's what we talked about. We talked about the faith that Abraham had in the midst of a situation that absolutely looked dire. And some of you may have some situations that absolutely look dire to you. And if you are not careful, when you find yourself in those situations, it is so easy to become overwhelmed with emotions, to become overwhelmed with doubt, to become overwhelmed with fear, to become overwhelmed with uncertainty. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be human and have those moments. I am saying to you, you can't live in them. I am saying to you that you can't live in the in the moments of, oh, my God, can I trust God? You can't live in those moments of, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. You can't live in those moments of I don't, I'm not going to make it. I don't see a way out. Those things may come to you, but that's when you have to be rooted in your faith and be so full of faith that it kicks in and takes over your emotions. Now, if you were to put to actually take out Romans chapter four and begin to read it in its entirety, which Pastor Ralph asked us to do. And if you were there on uh, Wednesday, I hope that between Wednesday and today you did that. I did. Uh, I'm the pastor. But when I get an instruction from someone who's teaching, I follow the instruction. Look at somebody type this in the comment section. Say it's important to follow instructions. It's important to follow instructions. It just is. When you get an instruction, you got to learn to follow it. Why? Because remember, we talked about part of the supernatural is learning how to follow instructions. Amen. So you got to learn to follow those instructions. And so if you go back and you begin to read Romans chapter four, what you find is in verses one through 12, it deals with Abraham being justified by faith. Now, what does it mean to be justified by faith? It means that Abraham was born in a time that was prior to Jesus Christ being on the earth. He was born in a time that was prior to Jesus Christ dying on the cross. He was born in a time prior to Jesus Christ going to hell and taking the keys from the enemy. And he was born prior to a time of Jesus coming back to the earth with all power in his hand, giving that power to us and telling us he would not leave us comfortless, but that he would send the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Abraham was born prior to the time of the Holy Spirit coming back and indwelling in mankind. But the Bible says that Abraham did something that superseded time and allowed him to be justified just as we are. It said, Abraham believed God. Now think about that. That's a powerful statement. Abraham believed God. And the word of God says that because he believed God, he was justified in the same manner that you and I are, even though he was, he was void of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit had not descended upon all mankind. But because he believed God, his belief of what God said to him, his belief of following God's instruction did for him the same thing Holy Spirit does for you and I. It justified him. So you got to understand that when we start talking about how Abraham believed God, it wasn't some casual thing. 
It was a powerful, supernatural thing for Abraham to believe God and then for God to understand his belief at such depths that he then justified him as though he was standing in the same position we were. And that is how he became the father of the faith. Then if you begin to read chapters four, in chapter four, verses 13 to 25, it begins to deal with the promise that God gave to Abraham and how that promise got realized through faith. And that is what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at Romans chapter four, verse 17 through 25. And I don't even know if I have that in the comments. I may. I do. So we'll read it. We'll read it since I have it. Romans chapter four, verse 17 through 25. Now, again, Pastor Raph went through some of this on Wednesday. So for some of you, this should be recap. If it's new for you, that's fine. But I encourage you to go back and listen to Wednesday night's teaching. Now, let's look at what he said. He says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quicketh the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. He says, talking about Abraham, who against, who against hope, now watch this, who against hope, he believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. In other words, he believed God, even when it didn't make sense to believe God, physically or spiritually. He says, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. We are the seed of Abraham. It says, in being not weak in faith. Now, now, now watch this. Being not weak in faith. It says he considered. Abraham did not take into account his own body, which by all accounts was dead to being able to produce another human being. He says, when he was about a hundred years old, neither did he take in consideration the deadness of his wife's womb. Now look at verse 20. It says, but Abraham staggered not. He did not let the weight of what was natural come against him and cause him to stagger at the promises of God by having unbelief about what God had said. It says, instead, he was strong in his faith or he was strong and unwavering in trusting what God has said. And in the process of doing so, he, he, he fortified his faith by giving glory to God. He worshiped God even in the midst of what seemed like something he shouldn't be believing. Verse 21 says, and then being fully persuaded. That means there was no deviation in him whatsoever. There was no plan B. He says, and being fully persuaded, what he had promised, he was able to perform. In other words, he trusted God so much that he said, if God said it, then I believe it. Verse 22 says, and therefore, watch this, it was imputed to him. It was granted to him. There was a judgment in heaven that said it belongs to Abraham, even though it's not time yet. We're going to give it to him. It was imputed to him for righteousness. Then verse 23 says, now it was not written. Okay, this whole thing we just read, it was not just written for Abraham's sake alone, that it was imputed to him. Watch this. 
but it was written for us also so that we could know whom it shall be imputed to. If we believe on him, if we believe on God that raised up Jesus, our Lord from the dead. And then we finish out in verse 25 that says, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again, watch this, for our justification. What am I saying? I'm saying that just like Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him, you can use your faith to believe God and the thing you're believing for will be imputed to you. That is why we can use our faith for more than the three C's. I know in the word of faith, we always talk about that, but we can use our faith for more than just cash, for more than just cards, and for more than just career. I can use my faith to manifest physical healing. I can use my faith to manifest my kids being saved. I can use my faith to manifest the fact that I need to get back in school. I owe student loans. The school told me no, but God told me it was my season to go back to school. I can use my faith to get back in school. I can use my faith to live a life pleasing to God. I can use my faith for whatever God tells me to believe for, and it will be imputed to me for righteousness. Amen. Now, here's what we got to understand. If we're going to look at this and we're going to follow the life of Abraham, there are four things we want to talk about today. Number one, we want to talk about how important it is to develop steadfast belief in the face of doubt. You have to understand, and I wish I could get Christians to believe this, just because you love God, just because you go to church, just because you tithe, just because you give, just because you serve, just because you're a good person, that does not exempt you from life's challenges. You are still going to have problems. You're still going to get sucker punched. You're still going to have things happen that you're going to say in your mind, why would this happen to me? Because you live on the earth. And you need to know that being a Christian does not exempt you from life problems. But having faith gives you the power to deal with those problems. And you have to understand that. Think about what we just read. Abraham was a man who by all worldly standards had every reason to doubt the promise God had given him. He had every worldly reason not to believe it. He and his wife, Sarah, were both advanced in their ages and they were both far beyond the age of childbearing. Yet when they were faced with the stark reality of their aging body, and, and, and Sarah's womb not being able to birth a child, Abraham, Abraham could have easily succumbed to doubt, to fear, and to unbelief. But the Bible says he chose to believe God. Now, we won't get all into it, but you know the story that even when Abraham believed God, he still was thinking, okay, I'm going to go in to, to my wife's handmaid. Because maybe she can have the baby. I'm old, but God will bless my body. But that's not what God said. God said, I will give Abraham and Sarah a baby. And so you got to make sure that when you're believing God, there is no fear. 
There is no doubt and there is no unbelief or you will use your feet. You will use your faith, but you will dilute your faith with fear, doubt and unbelief by trying to do things and make it happen in your own right. God said to Abraham, you and Sarah are going to have this baby. You know the story. He went into his handmaiden. He had Ishmael. That wasn't a promise. He, he didn't fully believe God and participate the way God told him to. And then him and Sarah had Isaac. Right. But I want you to look at something. It describes Abraham's demeanor in Romans chapter four, verse 19. One, one translation says it like this. It says, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. What's, what, what do you feel like is dead in your life? What, what promise do you feel like God told you back in 2000 and here it is 2024 and you still ain't seen it? What did God tell you in 2015? Some of you out there, you, you know, you, 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 you believed you were supposed to be married 10 years ago and it still ain't happened. Do you think it's dead? But did God promise you he'd give you the spouse of your dreams? You need to pick up that dead thing and start believing God again. Did God tell you 10 years ago, 20 years ago, he'd get you out of debt and you got more debt today than you did when he promised? You need to pick that dream up. And you need to believe God. The Bible says without being without weakening in his faith. In other words, he had faith, but he didn't allow fear, doubt and unbelief to weaken his faith. The King James Version says it like this. It says, and being not weak in faith. And then the living translation says it like this, which I love. It says, and because his faith was strong <laughs> and because his faith was strong. It says he didn't worry about the fact that he was too old to be a father at the age of 100. Anybody out there got strong faith? It's about 80 of you on here. Any of you got strong faith? If you got strong faith, you ought to type in the comment section, I have strong faith. Now watch this. If, even if you don't feel like it, you ought to type it. You need to get your ear gate and your eye gate on this word. The Bible says, and because his faith was strong. Do you know what you can do when you have strong faith? Do you know what you can accomplish? Do you know how the, the, the impossible becomes possible? I was looking at this word and it's scrolling across the bottom of your screen. So take a moment and look at it. Look at the word impossible. You can separate that and you can make the word impossible say I'm possible. I was looking at that the other day and I was like, wait a minute. Impossible says I'm possible. And so that when God says to me, all things are possible to them, that, to them that believe, when the devil presents to me something is impossible, I just separate it and say, I'm possible. I'm possible. With faith, I'm possible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm possible. So I am embracing the promise of I'm possible. That's what we're doing this morning. We are embracing the promise of I'm possible. How do I get to be possible? I learn to live a life like Abraham. I do not allow my faith to become weak. I don't hang around people who talk negative, who would uh, diminish my faith. I don't let natural circumstances subjugate and become uh, more dominant in my life then the word of God. If God said it, it's what I believe. I don't care how ridiculous it may be. I'm possible. 
When God gives me an instruction, I'm possible. I was thinking this morning as I was getting ready for church and I was because I keep going back to this thing about the supernatural increasing in our life. I can't get away from it. It's the thing that's been on me as I read our guiding word. And as I was reading the guiding word again this morning, getting ready for church, it just struck me about God's instruction being supernatural. And I was thinking about the story where the man said, and it's a story, you're, you're, you're familiar with it. The man was hewing down a tree. And as he was hewing down the tree, cutting down the tree, the Bible said it like this. He said, alas, master, he said the axe head was borrowed. Because the axe head he was using, it broke and the piece of iron fell into the water. And when it fell into the water, he said, alas, he was like, oh, my God, that axe head was borrowed. If it's now in the water, I'm going to owe the person who who who, who I owe this 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 axe head to. And then today we don't think about an axe head. We just go buy another one. But during those times, it was very expensive to have metal. It had to be hewed by a blacksmith. It took time to do it. It was an expensive piece of equipment. And the Bible says that he said, alas, the axe head is in the water. It was borrowed. And the Bible says that the man of God, now watch this. The man of God said to him, pick up a stick and point it toward the water. Now, you know that that makes zero sense whatsoever. Why would you take a stick and point it toward the water. What is that going to do? But the Bible says that if you believe God, you will be established. But if you believe his prophet, watch this, you will what? Prosper. Well, he had lost the axe head, which means he was now in debt. But the man of God gives him an instruction. Okay? He gives him an instruction. And when he gives him an instruction, the man follows that instruction. His faith caused him to believe what the man of God told him. So he picks up the stick, he points it toward the water, and the Bible says the axe head did swim. Did you hear me? He said the axe head did swim. Since when does iron swim? The iron began to swim and the man of God and the man picks up the iron head. And now when he would have been in debt, he is now out of debt. I am telling you, God got an instruction to get you out of debt. God got an instruction to get you out of that sickness. God got an instruction to get you out of that depression. God got an instruction to get you back in school. God's got an instruction to repair that relationship. You just got to have faith to follow the instruction. Glory to God. Somebody ought to declare that. Say, I have the faith to follow God's instructions. Because that's what Abraham did. He had faith to follow God's instruction. And when the supernatural gets on your life, and we said the supernatural gets on your life by following God's instruction. The, he, he, he believed God. He knew this man was a man of God. Elijah told him, listen, point the stick over there toward the water. The Bible says that the, he did what the man of God said, so he had to prosper. So the axe head began to swim. He got the axe head back. He was able to keep chopping down trees, and he didn't have to be in debt to the man who belonged to, to the axe head belonged to. I am telling you, there is faith 
for the impossible because you are possible. Amen. That's the reason why the Apostle Paul teaches us in Philippians 4 and 6 in the Living Translation. And I love the Living Translation. It says, don't worry about anything. It says, instead, pray about everything. Tell God all of your needs and don't forget to thank him for all of his answers, right? You just got to learn that when, 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 when life sucker punches you, you got to learn to do that Philippians 4, 6, and 7 lifestyle. It says, don't worry about anything, right? Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and then thank him like it's already done. Somebody ought to put in the comment section, it's already done. It's already done. It's already done. I don't know what you came to this broadcast fretting over this morning, but I need you to hear me as your man of God. It's already done. I don't care if it was a bill, if it was a doctor's report, if it was something on your job, something in your family, something in your body, something in your mental state, something that I don't even know what else to name, but whatever it is, I need you to know it's already done. I wish I had five people who could just give God some praise this morning because they know indeed what I'm saying is true and it is already done. And that you made the decision this morning, you're not going to let the devil play with your mind no more. You're not going to let him play with your emotions. You're not going to get off of this broadcast and you're not going to go back to sitting in that same fear, that same doubt, that same unbelief. You are kicking that crap to the curb. You are no longer going to be messing around with that stuff from the devil. You are going to believe and trust God because that is the essence of what faith is and what faith looks like. Faith is used against adversity. You don't need faith when everything is going fine. You need faith to fight against the adversity of the enemy when he comes to give you something other than what God has promised. And you don't wait till you're in a faith fight to develop it. Notice, when I'm talking about Abraham, and I want you to hear me because I, I don't want this to turn in. I, I get hyped talking about faith. I get hyped talking about the Lord. But I don't want you for a second to think that this is a hype session. The key here is not blind ignorance of reality, but a steadfast, unshakable belief in the promises of God despite impossible circumstances. I'm not telling you that if you get a, a, a go to a doctor, you get a doctor's report and the doctor says these are certain things you need to do to treat X, Y, and Z, that you throw your hands up and say, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't have that. I don't believe what he say. I'm not talking about blind ignorance. I'm talking about you trusting God that if God says, by my stripes, you are healed, that you're believing and that you receive that healing is already done in spite of you maybe having to go through the natural things that you have to go through. I think about, I was, Pastor and I were talking yesterday because so many people who took the journey um, collectively with us or with her community uh, or who decided to do it because of the things we were posting, you know, th they took this, this health journey, if you want to call it that, at the end of the year the last couple of months of the year. And man, we had people who had lost 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 
people who high blood pressure uh, went down, people who uh, didn't have stomach ailments anymore, people who weren't having migraines anymore, uh, women who talked about how their periods were no longer giving them uh, heart heavy cramps. I, I talked to a couple of guys who, 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 who no longer had erectile dysfunction anymore. Listen, when they started to change their eating habits and they started to exercise and do different things, miraculous things took care of their, uh, in, in their body. Why? Because they started following God's instruction. But then we also talked to some folks who stopped. And now they've gained five pounds. They've gained 10 pounds. The headaches are back. The cramps are back. The ED is back. Why? Because they did not follow God's instructions on a consistent basis over time. You can have blind ignorance. Somebody said in the comment, you got to stick with faith. You do. You have to stick with faith. So whatever got you out of that situation, you got to stick with. I'm not talking about blind ignorance, but I am talking about you following God as you follow those natural things that are necessary as well. So number one, the thing you got to do is you got to develop a steadfast belief in the face of doubt. You cannot be moved. You cannot be moved. I was thinking about our guiding word and our guiding word for 2024 says a couple of things. It says the supernatural shall increase in every arena of our life. In every arena of our life. I believe that in the midst of un unbearable circumstances, I'm sticking with this idea that the supernatural shall increase in every arena of my life. It also says in those who believe and those who will receive, he says, I'll begin to perform mighty acts on their behalf. I don't care what's going on. I'm believing that I'm receiving that. It also says there is going to be an increase of angelic assistance. Chris was singing that this morning. She's clearly believing for it. Are you believing for it? I'm believing for an increase in angelic assistance. Why? Because the more I obey God's instruction, the more those angels are showing up to do what they're supposed to do on my behalf. It also says there's going to be an increase of the miraculous. Listen, the man listened to the man of God when the man of God said, point your stick toward the water where the axe head fell. The Bible says he did it and the axe head did swim. I'm telling you, there's going to be an increase in the miraculous as you follow God's instructions. And then God gives us a promise in the guiding word. He says, my supernatural will escort you through the heat. He says, my supernatural will escort you through the battle. And my supernatural will provide for you both seed and bread. Is there anybody who is believing that God's instruction is going to escort us through whatever problems we may be facing? How does it do that? Because we choose to believe God. Somebody type that in the comment section. Say, I choose to believe God. I choose to believe God. And then he finishes it out by saying, well, now that you choose to believe me, he says, and now it is time, praise God, for you to see the full benefits of me being your God for my supernatural is now at hand. We said, well, I'm still waiting on the supernatural. No, you're not. He's giving you an instruction. That is the supernatural. His instruction is your supernatural. 
And when you get God's instruction and you walk it out, the thing you think is the supernatural is what shows up in your life. But the supernatural begins with you having faith in what God said, even when it seems seemingly impossible to believe it. Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah was 90. They were both far beyond the age of childbearing. But God gave them a promise and they chose to believe it. They staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. And so then what's the second thing we must do? Once we choose to believe God in the face of unseemly impossible circumstances, the second thing we must do is we must spend time strengthening our faith through praise. What do I mean by that? The Bible tells us to count it all joy. He says, even when you fall into diverse temptations, count it all joy. What does that mean? It means that when I get sucker punched, I got to learn to grab hold of my emotions. And when I want to cry, when I want to ball up in a ball and turn the lights out and grab a bottle of wine and listen to Sade and, and be sad, I don't do it. Why? Because I got to strengthen my faith, not weaken it. How do I strengthen my faith? The Bible says that Abraham gave glory to God. He praised God. He said, God, I thank you. God, I praise you. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how it's going to turn out. God, I, this, this, this bill that just hit me for $50,000, I don't know how I'm going to pay it. God, this hospital report that just came from the doctor, it says they just diagnosed me with X, Y, and Z. God, I don't know how it's going to all work out. But God, right now, I'm going to steal my emotions and I am going to give you praise for being God. I am going to honor you. I'm going to thank you. I'm not going to become overwhelmed. I'm going to sing a song of praise. I'm going to tell you how wonderful you are. I'm going to tell you how it's already done. I'm going to sing that new song, FOC, saying last week that they wrote. I'm just going to sing it over and over and over. And I'm going to drown out all of these problems, all of these issues with praise. I'm, 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 not, I'm not telling you that you got to act like it ain't happening. That's not what I'm telling you. You can acknowledge what is happening and still say what the psalmist said. The psalmist says, I will make my boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. He says, come on, y'all, magnify the Lord with me in spite of this report, in spite of these bills. Y'all, you, you get your family around you. You get your husband or your wife. You get your kids and you say, guys, we're going to take about five minutes and we're just going to give God some praise for all that he's done, for all that he's doing and for all that he's going to do. And you just literally drown out all of that fear. You drown out all of that doubt. You drown out all of that disbelief. That's what Abraham did. Abraham didn't just get the word and go, okay, God said it's so cool. He had to deal with his mind. His mind said, boy, you old. His mind said, you ain't got that thing up in a long time. Y'all just have to forgive me. His mind said to him, girl, she dry. Y'all, this ain't going to work. His mind was working on him, but he said, God, if you said I can do it, I can do it. God, if you said it'll be all right, I can do it. I know I'm being silly because my wife ain't here, but you got to understand 
He didn't just go, okay, God said I can do it and it's going to be cool. He had to go over this and over this and over this and over this. And he had to praise God. And even when he tried to get it up and it didn't work, he said, God, I still praise you. And he kept praising God. And it got up a little further. And he kept praising God. And it got up further. And before you know it, his vitality had came back like he was 25 years old. He said, Sarah, here I am, girl. We are ready to do this thing. And he went in with Sarah and they produced Isaac. What will you give God praise for so you can produce that he's promised you? What will you praise him for? Will you give him praise that you can go back to school? Will you give him praise that you can pay off those bills? Will you give him praise that your body can be healed? Will you give him praise before you can see it? Glory to God. <laughs> Woo, verse 20 says, no amount of unbelief made him waver. The, he didn't waver. He, 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 he know what he saw with his natural eyes, but he didn't waver. I know what you see with your natural eyes, but are you going to waver? I know that the doctor's report says this, but are you going to waver? I know the relationship's been bad for four years, but are you going to waver? Are you going to believe what God said when he says, no, I will repair that relationship? Will you believe God? And sometimes in order to believe God, you got to just give God praise for what he said before you can even see what he said. You got to give him, I mean, let me say that again. You got to give God praise for what he said before you can see what he said. Because what you currently see will make you cry, not praise. But faith will make you praise instead of cry. Why? Because the word of God will get on the inside of you and you'll be like, you know what? My expectation comes from the Lord. I believe what God said and what God said to me is only the thing I'm going to believe. So I'm going to lift up my hands. I don't feel like lifting my hands, but I'm going to command my hands to be lifted. I'm going to give God some praise out of my mouth. I don't feel like saying nothing, but I'm going to open up my mouth and give God some praise. And when I begin to do that, I begin to drown out all the fear, all the doubt and all the unbelief and that is what you need to make it through the tough times i'm so sick of seeing born again believers walk away from god because things get tough that ain't when you walk away from god you don't ever walk away from god but you should not be walking away from god when things get tough that's when you run to god he is your strong tower abraham had a strategy Abraham's strategy was to praise God in anticipation of the fulfillment of the promise. When God makes you a promise and then the devil shows up and causes all hell to be ripped in your life, that's not the time for you to give up, cave in, and quit. It's when you use your praise as a weapon. You use your praise as an anticipation of the fulfillment of the promise. Think about it. We do it all the time. Somebody come to you today and they say, hey, I just want to let you know me and my husband, we're getting ready to have a baby. What do we do? We go, oh, my God, congratulations. What are you congratulating them on? They ain't got no baby yet. It's nine months before that little thing show up. They ain't got no baby yet. But you're talking about congratulations, girl. I'm so happy for y'all. Why are you happy? Because you are praising in, in advance or the fulfillment of that promise that you know is coming in nine months. God gives you a promise. Now is the time to praise you. The moment you receive that promise is the time to give God praise. Why? Because the enemy's going to show up and try to tell you how God ain't telling you the truth. He's going to try to show up and tell you how it ain't going to work for you. 
And the enemy is slick. He don't want to just tell you God ain't real because he'll know you'll know he's the devil. So what he tells you is, oh, God is real, but that ain't going to work for you. That'll work for Ralph. That'll work for Chris. That'll work for Sean. That'll work for Strick. That'll work for Sid. That'll work for Mish. But that ain't going to work for you. It ain't going to work for you. So you might as well give up on that dream. You might as well find you something else. He wants you to downgrade your dream or give up on it totally. But that's why your faith is used to anchor you. It anchors you. So when those thoughts come to your mind, just like they did to Abraham, you might not even have words to say to defeat it. You get up and you just start thanking God. You just start thanking God. You start praising and honoring God for all that he has done in your life. And you watch and see how your faith blooms and flourishes. What am I talking about? I want to give you an example because I believe in looking at role models. If we look at Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. Now, here it is. Now, we're talking about the prophet Habakkuk. And notice what he says. And this is a you, you ought to read chapter 3 if you get a chance. But notice what he says he, in, in verse 17, because he goes through these first 16 verses talking about all these different things. And then in verse 17, he says this. He says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, he says, and neither shall there be fruit in the vine. He says, the labor of the olive may fail and the fields may not yield no meat. He says, if the flock may even be cut off from the fold and there may be no herds in the stall. Now, let me, now, before we read verse 18, let me help you understand something. We're talking about a person who lived in an agrarian society. Farming was their life. It was everything to them. It was their sense of livelihood. It was their economic source. It determined their status and their influence. And here he is. He says, you know what? He says, even if the fig tree does not bud, he said, even if there are no grapes on the vine, he says, even if the olive crop doesn't produce any olives, he said, if the fields don't produce any food, if the wheat don't come up, if the rice don't grow, if, if, if the soybeans don't make it this year, he said, and even if there is no livestock in the pens, and I don't have no new livestock in the stall, verse 18, what did he say? Yet, 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 somebody ought to type yet in the comment section. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord and I will joy in the God of my salvation. That word there is the deliverance and the God of my deliverance. I need some folk who say, pastor, even if the debt don't get paid off this year, pastor, even if I don't get married this year, pastor, even if I keep having to drive this same hoopty for the next year, pastor, even if I don't even get back in school, pastor, if I don't get the promotion, pastor, even if I get laid off, I don't care what you name pastor, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I'm looking for some folk who will have a yet I will praise him spirit. Why? Because Habakkuk understood that if he could praise God anyway, the same God who made the fig trees bud, the same God who produced the grapes on the vine, the same God who caused the olive crop to come in, the same God who caused there to be 
produce in the fields. The same God who caused you to be livestock in the pens is the same God who will turn your situation around when you give him a yet praise. When he understands that you don't care about that stuff, that you ain't just here for the cars, the cribs, and the cash, but you are here because he's such a good God, that your faith is in his word, that you know that he is the God and that he is not a man, that he should lie nor the son of man, that he should repent for anything. When you can give him praise in spite of that, whew, that's when the supernatural starts to manifest in your life. But you got to learn to give God praise. You got to learn to give him praise even when it ain't going well. Rebecca said, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. I am telling you, Rebecca 317 and 18 serves as a source of inspiration for all of us. It is a model of what faith for all of us should look like. It encourages people to maintain their trust and their joy in God despite the situation. It is a call to faith that looks beyond the immediate and transient troubles of, of, and gives us God's ability to endure in unchanging situations. Things may look dire today, but I need you to know that things are temporal. And if they are temporal, they are subject to change. And what you're going through today is subject to change. What, whatever problem you're facing is not eternal. The only eternal problem you are facing is if you have not given your life to Christ. But once you give your life to Christ, there is no problem that you face that is eternal. And because there is no problem that you face that is eternal, every problem is temporal. And every temporal problem, I'm going to say it again, is subject to change. And the moment you can see in the moment you can hear, in the moment you can understand, I am telling you, you will be converted. Glory to God. You will be converted into the thing that you see, into the thing that you hear, and into the thing that you understand. That's why you can't be focused on, on, on what you see. You can't be focused on just your five senses. We don't walk by what we see. We walk by faith. And so you got to make sure that you follow and that you, that, you, that you strengthen your faith through praise. And then the third thing you need to do, you got to follow the footsteps of the faithful few. We talk about this all the time. We said, if you want to walk in faith, one of the truths to walking in faith is that you need, after a revelation, what do you need? A role model. You need a role model. You say, well, nobody in my family has ever done it. That's all right. You are, the, you are in the family of God. God got some folk who have done it. And if you do one of those commitments we talk about, which is reading your Bible daily, you are fine and you will interact with some people who have followed faithfully through the instructions God has given them. We say this all the time. Success leaves clues. Success leaves clues. The Bible says it like this in Hebrews 6 and 12. It says, I would that you be not slothful. But you would be followers of them who through what? Faith and consistency. Faith and patience inherit the promise, right? So we got to learn how to follow after those people who've done this. Who are some people who've done this? Moses did it. Moses gave up a life of luxury in Pharaoh's palace to follow God's call. 
Jesus's mother did it. She humbly accepted God's plan for her, saying, let it be, uh, let it be unto me according to thy word. She followed. Daniel did it. His faith didn't waver even in the midst of the lion's den. Esther did it. She risked her life to save her people, saying, if I perish, I perish, showing her deep faith in the promise God had made. We know Job did it. Despite losing everything he had, he remained faithful and even declared, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Ruth did it. Ruth chose to stay with her mother-in-law, Naomi, and adopted her faith and her people, leading her to become an ancestor of King David, of which Jesus came out of that lineage. David himself did it. As a young shepherd boy, he trusted God to defeat Goliath when everybody else was terrified showing his faith and how faith can overcome great challenges. And then lastly, Deborah did it. She was a leader of the prophetess. She guided Israel to victory, trusting in God's guidance and showing courage and wisdom. The Bible is full of people who did exactly what Abraham did. And the results are all the same. They got to see what God promised. Listen, type this in the comment section. Say, following God gets you to the promise. Following God gets you to the promise. So you got to learn to follow the footsteps of faithful others. You got to learn to follow the footsteps of faithful others. And after you have done, number one, which is to make sure that you are able to develop steadfast belief in the face of doubt and fear. And once you've gotten proficient at giving God praise, even when things are going bad, which is strengthening your faith through praise, right? And then once you learn to follow the, the, the example of the faith for others, then you can do this last thing, which is to cultivate a heart of expectancy. You got to cultivate a heart of expectancy. Is there anybody out there expecting anything from God in this year? Are you... You know what? While I'm teaching, you go ahead. Just put it in the comment section. What are you? Just tell us. What are you expecting God to do? Name one thing. There's about 85 of y'all on here. Name one thing you're expecting God to do for you in 2024. You got to cultivate a heart of expectancy. Abraham's journey teaches us that trust in God is not passive. Trust in God is not passive. It is an active, expected expectation of waiting that prepares us to receive God's promises. People say, why do you get so hyped when you start teaching like this? Because I believe God's word. I believe God's word. I have seen God in the last 20 something years, decade and a half, show up in my life in a way that is just immeasurable. It's just immeasurable. I got in my Thompson chain reference Bible, I got so many TNT markings in my Bible. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And there's more to come. Somebody says, what do you mean you got TNT in your Bible? In my Bible, when I find a promise that God has made to me, I write, I, I highlight it in yellow. And when it comes to pass, I take a blue or black marker and I write TNT beside it. What does that mean? Tried and true. Tried and true. I have so many tried and true markings in my Bible. Why? That if I, if I, Think God may not come through. If my brain starts to malfunction and act like this thing that now faces me, God ain't going to come through. I just flip through my Thompson Chain reference Bible. I, I just literally from Genesis to Revelation, I just start flipping. And before you know it, I'm going to see a TNT. 
And then I'm going to flip again. I'm going to see another one. And then I'm going to flip again. And, I see, and before you know it, I done work myself up and say, what do you mean you don't know if God going to come through? Strict, what's wrong with you? God came through with this. God came through with that. God came through with that. God repaired your marriage. God healed your daughter. God did this. God did that. God worked this out. When you was on this job and they was doing this, then you didn't know what to do. And God told you to go to sleep and he give you the idea for it. He did it. And then you went in the boardroom and they praised you and said, oh my goodness, no one's ever done that before. He said, the same God that did that for you will be the same God who will take care of this situation. It's already done. It's tried and true. But you have to rehearse the victories that God is giving you. When you're putting those things in the comment about what you want God to do for this year and you don't seem to think it's happening fast enough, go back and rehearse what he's done. Testify to yourself what God has done for you. The Bible says in Psalm 62, verse 5, one of my favorite scriptures, it says, my soul, not my spirit, my soul. My mind, my will, my emotions, my imagination, and my intellect, they wait thou only up on God, for my expectation is from him. I'm not expecting the world to give me what the world can't even, can't even ensure. God made me a promise, and God has an indemnity plan that makes sure that whatever he says always come to pass always comes to pass. All I have to do is stick with faith. That's all I have to do is stick with faith. Now, now, now let me let me parenthetically insert this. Does that mean that every time I'm believing for God for something, I'm going to see it in the earth? The answer to that is no. I've had people I prayed for and I said, God, I, don't let them die. God healed them. God got, dude, and, they, and it didn't work out that way. But I don't let what I don't understand stop my faith. I keep believing. I keep believing. Why? Because there are some things that goes beyond my level of understanding. I was listening to uh, Pastor Silas Johnson last night. He was on a panel discussion with Dr. Hilliard and several other pastors. And he said something that was so good. He said he when he prayed for God to heal Lady J, he said he prayed that God would heal her. He said, but then he said when she didn't get healed, he said it, 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 it shook him. And of course, anybody who's ever lost someone cl close to them, it can, it can shake you. He says, but when he got with God and he began to ask God what happened, he said God gave it to him in a way that only he could understand. He said, son, he said, when my daughter looked at me and then looked at you, he said, even a player like you couldn't keep her from heaven. He said, and it's just some things you won't understand. Listen, your faith. If you allow God to be in your life, it will fortify you in such a way. God will speak to you in such a way that it'll make total sense to you. But you got to learn to stick with God. And it was funny, but it was such a blessing when he said it because he said it in only that cool manner. If you know, if you know Bishop Silas, Dr. Silas Johnson, he said literally, he said, God said that when she looked at me and she looked at you, even a player like you couldn't keep her from heaven. He said, and it was in that instant that everything, all the misunderstanding just dissipated. Why? Because he stuck with God. 
He didn't run away from God. He went to God. He asked God the hard question and God gave him the answer in a way he could understand. I am telling you when things don't work out and you are believing God, it is not the time to stop believing God. It is the time for you to dig in. It is the time for you to say, God, I don't understand why this happened this way. But one thing I'm assured of, you are not a man that you should lie, nor are you the son of man that you should repent for anything. Whatever you have said, it will come to pass, even if I don't understand it. Amen. I got that's how you cultivate this heart of expectancy. The Bible says in Psalms 39 and 7, it says, and now, Lord, what wait I for? What am I what the psalmist says, what am I waiting for? And then he finishes it. He says, my hope is in thee. That's what I'm waiting on. I'm just waiting on whatever God has promised. I'm going to be consistent with everything I'm supposed to be consistent with until I see it. And if I if I go to glory before I see it, I'll see it when I get to heaven. Why? Because I'm going to keep on trusting and believing God. I'm going to keep on trusting and believing God. I am sticking with God. I see several people typing that. I'm sticking with God. I, I don't care what comes. I, I'm going to acknowledge my emotions. I'm going to acknowledge how I'm feeling. I'm going to acknowledge this was disappointing. I'm going to acknowledge it was sad, but I am not retreating from God. I'm not going to blame God. I'm not going to get mad at God. I'm not going to question who God is. I'm going to say, God, I don't understand, but I'm sticking with you. I'm sticking with you. I'm sticking with you. I am sticking with you because that is how I embrace the impossible to be possible in my life. I've said this several times today, but I want to show it to you. Numbers 23 and 19, and we'll close. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken? And shall he not make it good? I live by this. This is what Sean Strickland and Edwin Strickland live by. It is the reason that we say all the time, if God don't help us, we're going to fail anyway. If God, if, if, if God doesn't help Edwin and Sean, we are utter failures. Our intellect won't get us there. Our connections won't get us there. Our eloquent speech won't get us there. Our money won't get us there. Our tribe won't get us there. Our friends won't get us there. Nothing will get us there. If God doesn't help us, we are going to fail. We are going to fail. And see, some folk, they ego won't let them say that. They ego won't let them say, if God, well, I ain't saying I'm going to fail. Yes, you are. You are empowered to fail without God. You become proficient at failing without God. Now, you may live a life that you think is not failing, but only because you had to downgrade your life from what God promised. You only get to live the life that God has promised when you surrender your ability to be the master of your life. God is the master of my life. God is the master of my life, but he's given me the power to push out the things that the enemy will want to come in to allow him to be the master of my life. He's taught me how to fire my emotions when they need to be fired. See, grief has its place, but grief never has a long-term appointment in my life. I can be sad that I lose someone, but grief can't be with me for five, 10 years. Grief can't hang around with me for a year. 
I can miss someone forever, but grief cannot hang around. I will fire grief in a moment. I don't allow grief to stay around long term because if grief stays around long term, you, he, he didn't want to be by himself. Now he wants to invite depression in. And when depression gets in, now he wants to invite sickness in. And so you have to learn to fire your emotions so that your faith can always be maturing. And if you will do these things, go back and read Romans chapter four. Go back and read it. Read it out of the King James. Read it out of English Standard Version. Read it out of the message. Read it out of the Living Bible. Read it out of the God's Word translation. It is so good because it gives you a picture of what our father in the faith did. And then you can start to extrapolate that into all of these other people that I mentioned, like Moses and David and Daniel and Esther and, and Deborah and all these other people who literally followed in those same footsteps and how it worked out for them. And then you can begin to embrace the power of the, in the, of the impossible. You can cultivate that heart of expectancy. You can follow in the footsteps of others. You can give God praise in the midst of tough circumstances. And you can make sure that you fortify yourself so that you are always ready to develop a steadfastness. The Bible says you ought to be unmovable. You ought to be unshakable. Always abounding. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. And I'm telling you, you can, you can, you can develop the faith to do it, but you got to stick around faith. You got to stick around faith. I heard the Lord, the Lord said that to me last night. He said, some of the reason that people are struggling right now is because they didn't stick with faith. I'm not just talking about sticking with FOC. I mean, even if you leave FOC, you need to find a word-based church. You can't, you, you can't go you can't just go to all these religious places. See, there, see, we at Fellowship of Champions, we kind of keep it real simple. Now, do we have good praise and worship? I think we do. Do we do we teach our kids basic things they need to? Yeah. Now, do we have a Nickelodeon set? No. Do we have bagels and hot coffee? No. Do we have a lights that make it look like a concert? No. But we also don't sing songs that aren't biblical. And we also don't give you a five-minute sermon. So you can be excited and entertained and then go home and get your tail woe out the scene because you have absolutely no faith to keep you when things get bad. And I will not apologize. I will not apologize. I'd rather have eight people in my church than 80 people who are lukewarm. Give me eight. Give me eight people who are sold out for God. I can do more with eight people than I can with 80 because them 80 folk going to be such a drain because every Monday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and Sunday morning before and after church, they're going to get their behinds whooped because they don't have any faith. They just had a good time at the Nickelodeon set. They just had a good time with the three-point poem that lasted for 10 minutes but they didn't know any word. They didn't know any word. They didn't know any word. And when you don't know word, you can't defeat the enemy. This is his territory. We are just, Raph said it on, on Wednesday. We don't, we, we just, we, we just pilgrim passing through. We're strangers in this land. God just taught us how to live in it. 
But if you don't know how to live in it, you will be subject to every whim the enemy throws your way. But I declare that won't be true for the partners of Fellowship of Champions Church International. It won't be true for us. We're going to live this word. We're going to eat this word. We're going to see this word. I think the very last statement in the guiding word, I think is, I had, what's the very last statement? I want you to see this. The very last statement in the guiding word, you go to the very bottom. Look what it says. He says, welcome it. He says, walk in it. He says, have faith in it. And then what? Rejoice in it. As he does what? Escorts us into victory. God is talking to us, church. He's telling us to welcome what he told us in this guiding word. He says to walk in it. What does that mean? He says, be active. Do what I'm telling you to do. He says, have faith in it. In other words, if something comes that's, that's counterintuitive to what I'm saying, reject that. Walk in it. Have faith in it. And rejoice in it. Even when you can't see it. Even when it doesn't make sense. Why can I, why can I welcome it? Why can I walk in it? How can I have faith in it? Why should I rejoice in it? He says, because I am the one escorting you into victory. Come on, I'm done. If you, if, if you believe this word this morning, type in the comment section, I have the victory. I have the victory. I have it in every area. It's already done. I have the victory. I have it. I have it. If it makes you feel uncomfortable, too bad. I have it. I'm not even going to say I'm sorry because that'd be a lie. I ain't sorry. I have the victory. I have the victory. And you can have it too. I'm not arrogant. I've been promised. <laughs> it's not that I'm arrogant. I have a promise. I have a promise from someone who cannot fail. I have the victory. I got the V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. You ain't going to get me to sing, but I can hear it. I have the victory. I'm like Pastor Ralph. You ain't getting me to sing. Uh-uh. But I have it. I have the victory. I have the victory in every area of my life. What do you have the victory in? What do you have? What has God promised you and you already have the victory in? What are you more excited about now than you were an hour and 25 minutes ago? <laughs> I have the victory. I'm not arrogant. I've been promised. I'm telling you. And, and, and people, well, you, you, how, how can you say God going to do it? Because God said it. And he's not a man that he should lie. I'm bold in my faith. Why? Because I strengthen my faith every day. I, my, my faith is not growing weaker. I'm growing stronger. You should have caught me 10 years ago, devil. You you messing with a full grown faith man now, a full grown faith woman now. You 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 should have caught me years ago. I, I'm fortified in this. I will not be shaken. I will not be moved. I will not be moved. So listen, I pray, I thank you guys for joining me. Listen, don't forget about the things we have planned this week. We got Relationships 101. We got Victory Zone for the kids. We got Bible study. We got prayer. We got Ignite. We got uh, Friday morning uh, service. Listen, you can absolutely get full by just participating with what we have going on. You eat every day, don't you? 
You eat multiple times a day. Some of you, I'm sure. Then eat the word every day. Eat the word multiple times a day. Don't forget about our four commitments. Our four commitments are still commitments for 2024. We say, you know what? We're not going to miss a service. And if I miss one live, I'm sure going to catch the replay. Hey, this week I was listening to, I listened to Wednesday while I was in the studio, but I went back and listened to Wednesday as a listener when I was walking on Thursday. And then you got to commit, right? You got to commit. You got to say, I, I'm not going to just let this slip and then just, I'm committed. So before I watch this Netflix special that I'm so excited about, I'm going to listen to this hour of teaching. And then you got to read your word every day. You got to read your word. Even if you don't do nothing but go back and, and, and read the scriptures we share on Sunday and Wednesday, you got to read it. Then you got to spend time praying in the Holy Spirit. Okay, we ask you to pray at least an hour a day. Get disciplined. Get disciplined in that. And then take communion as often as possible. People didn't realize that. We were talking about that the other day. And this lady was saying, oh, my God, I didn't realize uh, that you could really take communion like 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 any time. And she was like, I actually read the scripture for the first time. And it, it, it does say as often as you do it. It doesn't just say on the first and third Sunday uh, when you got that little white doily on your head and everybody got to wear white. That ain't the only time you take communion. It said as often as you do. So if you do it three times a day, he says as often as you do it, just do it in remembrance of me. Do it in remembrance of this Passover that was established. Do it in remembrance of what I did to deliver the children of Israel. Do, do it in remembrance of what Jesus did when he became the lamb for us and it was written over the doorpost of our life so the enemy couldn't attack us. He says, just do it. And when you do it, remember me. Remember the promise. Remember the promise. Amen. All right. God bless you. Don't forget there are ways to give. I'll say that one more time. You can give through Givelify. And you ought to be. A, let me just say this. You ought to be a giver. You ought to be a giver. Somebody was saying the other day, say, well, they say, well, I don't, I don't tithe my money. I tithe my time and my talents. Then you should never ask God for money. Because you shouldn't ever ask God for something you don't sow. I'm just going to help you. You time your tithe and talent, that's what you ought to be believing God back for. But if you want God to give you money, then you ought to use what he's already given you and break a piece of that off to sow so that it can produce a harvest in your life. That's what all good farmers do. They don't just take everything from their field and eat it. They put some back so they can use it as seed to get an abundance of harvest the next year. In the words of Fred Price, he used to say it like this. That's why you broke. Now, Fred Price was just honest with the people. He said, you don't tithe and that's why you're broke. And I'm telling you that the reason that some of you can never get above is because you haven't been committed to the tithe. You say, well, I give. Not if you don't tithe. You, you, you don't get to give God a tip when you ain't paid the bill. Can you imagine going to a restaurant and getting a bill for $100 and you say, well, I'm going to give you $10 for a tip, but you don't pay the bill? They will have you arrested. You, you, you need to do the first thing first. And when you go to a restaurant and you, and you, and, and you, you pay the bill, then you leave the tip. And plus, God doesn't even need your money. That's just the system he uses to get more to you. Now, if you was praising God and shouting all over the message, and now I'm talking about this, you getting mad, you need to check your heart. You need to check your heart. Because at FOC, we have 100% tithers and we have 100% people who serve. 
That is our confession. Amen. So you have ways to give. You can give through Tithely, give through Givelify, give through PushPay. Uh, in the next couple of weeks or so, uh, I do want to remind you that your giving statements will be coming out. So be checking your email. However you signed up with on, on, on whichever platform you use, you had to include an email in there. Uh, and so that is how you will be getting your giving statement. Your 2023 giving statement should be out. Uh, it'll be out no later than the end of the month. But as soon as uh, the various platforms uh, get all the information gathered and let us know that we can send it out. We'll be ready to get that out to you, which is why we ask you to use Givelify, push, pay, tidily, or text to give unless you are outside of the United States of America. And then you can use PayPal as a giving option. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. I appreciate you. Um, wherever you are, stay safe. If you, if you get in snow, be safe. If you get in big rain, be safe. Uh, if the weather is nice, get out and enjoy it before you get snow. Um, we are only 68 days from daylight savings time, just in case anybody was wondering. I want you to know that <laughs> we're 68 days away. Uh, and, and then we'll be back to our, our long days that we can enjoy. But until then, we're going to keep honoring and praising God in everything we do. Amen. Don't forget uh, to join us for uh, prayer on uh, Wednesday night. Uh, again, I don't think Pastor Sean is doing strategies for success. She might. She might pop up at any time. So make sure you subscribe and like her page. I will not be doing Ed Talk until February. And so uh, that won't be happening on Tuesday. Uh, so I will see you in the studio on Wednesday. All right. God bless you. You guys have a wonderful Sunday afternoon. Be blessed.